Welcome back to another episode of In The Zone. My name is Anthony Pinello. I'm here with Chris Martelli and Giancarlo Alino. Last couple weeks, we've been running through our top 10 goalies and defensemen. Now we are on the wingers. So, Chris, kick us off. Who do we have at number 10? Uh, my number 10, it was really a close race. It was between Hubert O'Hall and Panarin. And I have to go to the new New York Ranger, Artemi Panarin, at number 10. Ever since coming into this league, the expectations for him were very high. He led the KHL, I think, that year in points at 23 or 22. And he came over to the NHL, and ever since, he's just been an offensive weapon. Uh, any team that he's been on, he has the chemistry. He was great in Columbus. He was great in Chicago. He won the Rookie of the Year. And he had immediate chemistry, obviously, with Patrick Kane, one of the greatest ever. So, yeah, Artemi Panarin, I think, is going to boost the Rangers' offense right away. And I can't believe I'm saying this. Last year, I didn't think the Rangers would be remotely close. And now they're potentially a bubble team looking the uh, from the, uh, the looking outside in. I think this might be the year where they make the playoffs with the acquisitions of Panarin and Capococco. So Panarin's my number 10. Going to go with Patrick Laine. This might he might be higher on some people's list, but this year I was not like too impressed of where his trajectory was from the year before. He came in scoring a ton of goals and then uh, had that good playoff run with Winnipeg. So from that slow year last year, I think he might bounce back this year, have a much better year. But for right now, I have him at number ten. My my okay. My question to you with Line is, what do you think his ceiling is in these rankings? I think he could be challenging for one and two. He's a 50-goal scorer. That could be. Could be even more. I'd see like an Alex Ovechkin type uh, scoring with him on the power play. It's just can he be consistent. And this year we saw fell right off. So <laughs> now it's up to him to get back to work, refocus, not get so down on himself when he doesn't score goals and get back in there because he's a really good player. Uh, my number 10, I also have Artemi Panarin. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be bad, eh? Yeah, it there, is. There's not a... He's been in the league four years now. There's nothing really you can hold against him. He came into the league flying with Patty Kane, like you said, uh, a couple 30-goal seasons, and then he went over to Columbus. Uh, still question marks at the time, not knowing, like, oh, he's not with Kane anymore. How's he going to do? And then he put up a couple 80-point seasons, and then he got that big payday with the Rangers. So for me, number 10 is fair for this guy. I also think Panarin, you got to give him a lot of credit for Dubois' development. I think he made Dubois a lot more comfortable and a lot more confident offensively. So, yeah, Panarin's very underrated for me. Uh, My number nine, you want to talk about underrated players, Mark Stone, number nine for me. Uh, I'd say two days ago when I was making this list, he wasn't in it. He wasn't in the top ten, but more and more that I think about his game, this guy's just elite. I really hated him in Ottawa because he was a senator, not because of the way he plays. You just absolutely have to adore the way he plays. His takeaways are always among the best. One of the best power forwards in the league. Actually, I think he surpassed Jamie Benn this year for one of the best power forwards in the game. So the Vegas Golden Knights, they took a gamble on Mark Stone. They traded uh, Brandstrom, one of the best, I guess, highly touted young defensive prospects. So... I think Mark Stone is going to be a stud with Vegas. I would not be surprised if he starts registering at a point-per-game pace either. Uh, this one's going to kill me to say. Brad Marchand, <laughs> just uh, scoring goals, getting points. Uh, yeah, so Boston Bruins, so he's good. Top 10. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just to touch on that, I have his line mate, David Pasternak, number nine. 
Uh, I don't know how he dropped to like 21 in the draft. Yeah, now that we're looking at it, because he came into the league right away and he put up a 70-point year right off the bat. He's arguably on the best line in hockey. Uh, I really don't see him slowing down. I think he'll go at a 70- to 80-point pace for the next, I don't know how many years. But he's got it really nice over there. So David Pasternak, number nine. One of the best contracts in the league. Um, for me, number eight, he gets better with age. Blake Wheeler, Winnipeg Jets. I think I had him higher on my list last year. I think I had him around five because he was coming off a 90-point year, and he's coming off another 90-point year. And, yes, he plays with Shifley, and he plays with Connor and Line on the power play. But guess what? He drives the offense there in Winnipeg. He is the guy there. He's the captain. He's running the ship there. It's very disappointing. They haven't been more successful as a group, you know, going to the Stanley Cup final or all that. But this team, um, their win, their window right now to win, it's right. It's about right now. So if Blake Wheeler can give Winnipeg a cup, uh, shoot him up the list again next year. But, yeah, for me right now, I'm just going to be content with him at number eight. Number eight for me is uh, I had a, like, mixed on this with uh, Calgary and Edmonton and Vancouver, just that division right there. But I'm going to go with Johnny Gaudreau, number eight. I think uh, there's still a lot of improvement he can make, which is crazy to say because he's just been amazing. But I think he really could be among the top two, three wingers in the league. Uh, Last season, I thought he may be a little bit uh, not as good as I thought he would be. But the scoring, I think, this year coming up, the team that they have, uh, now that they brought Lusick in, He's going to have some more room out there to score some goals, so I'm going to go with Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, number eight, I have Miko Rantanen, who came into the league as a fucking man-child at 6'4", 200 pounds. He's had a 20-goal season on that brutal Colorado team. The year McKinnon had like 50 points in a full season. Uh, he, he's put up two 80-point seasons already. He looks like... He's one of those players, a rare mix of uh, size, speed, and skill, and he really does remind me of like a Blake Wheeler. But uh, yeah, for now I got him at number eight, but he's another guy. He's got the potential to maybe be a top five player. Yeah, um, to carry on that, number seven, Miko Rantanen. Um, What Pinello just said, six foot four, around 210. He could skate like the wind. He's got that playmaking ability that not a lot of big men have. And playing with a center like Nathan McKinnon, that's just going to boost the production. And arguably one of the best lines in hockey. And uh, the average age on that line is around 25. So this line is probably going to be the best line, I'll say, in two years. Unless McDavid could finally get a winger. But, yeah, um, Miko Rantanen does not have a lot of negative qualities to his game. He's... A player that you kind of look at and it's like, oh, yeah, I want him on my team. That's a guy that I always want to look for. He went, what, eighth overall in the draft? Ten. Ten. That, that's just an absolute steal. And um, his, like like we said, uh, a couple years ago, he wasn't that good because, you know, Colorado as a whole, I think everyone was like a minus 30. And then the last couple of years, putting up 80 points, well over a point a game easily. He was actually leading the league for most of the year last year until Kucherov just kept getting the points but yeah Miko Rantanen to me not a lot of flaws I have him in at number seven and a couple years he'll probably be top five my number seven is David Pasternak of Boston I like him better than Brad Marchand he's not much of a you know he's not gonna lick people and uh say stupid (laughs) crap and uh go up and say oh look I won a Stanley Cup goes out there and scores goals don't really hear stupid stuff from him after the game David Pasternak good uh good kid there in Boston 
He's going to score a lot of goals, so the Leafs are going to have to. I feel, I feel like I'm not giving this guy enough love, <laughs> Pasternak. If he was wearing uh, a different jersey, I think I'd give him more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't see him in the top 10. Not, I think it's because right he now. plays with the other two guys, and he's still yeah. just breaking into the league. Like, offensively, he's probably top 10, but all around, not yet. Not yet, yet. No. no. So, with that said, at number seven, I have Mitch Marner. Oh, okay. Who, uh, when I was first planning out my list, I thought I had him higher. But uh, there are just too many grizzled veterans in this league that have done too much. But uh, it's nothing against Mitch. He's coming off a 94-point season. He drives the offense with the Leafs. Everyone's like, Tavares' 47-goal season. Mitch is a very big reason for that. Uh, Yeah, the Leafs have an absolute gift with this guy. They have to get him signed, do whatever it takes. So for now, number seven. But just like Rantanen, he can shoot up next year. I hate saying this. Number six, Brad Marchand. Uh, Boston Bruins. I don't know what it's been ever since that World Cup of Hockey tournament. He just turned into a different player. He went from a grit to a superstar. And Pinello knows very well how much I hate Brad Marchand, but I have to give this guy the respect. Man, I never thought I would see this guy getting 85 points, almost 100 points. He's playing with Pasternak and Bergeron. Bergeron as well. His production is actually getting better of it with age too. So... I really don't know where Bergeron's going to be on my center list. Being at what he's done the last three years, he might be a top five player in the league right now. So I hate saying that, but I got to give the guy the respect. So number six, Brad Marchand. For me, uh, number six, I'm going to go with Taylor Hall, New Jersey Devils. Uh, Edmonton must regret that trade, I'm sure. Adam Larson. Phenomenal over there. I don't know. I've never even heard his name, really. Uh, Taylor Hall, though, comes in. He's MVP. He does everything you want. He scores goals, carries that offense. Uh, draft lottery luck that he provides that team in New Jersey, getting uh, Hughes and now P.K. Subban's joining the team. So this is going to be a fun team to watch. So uh, I'm going to go with Taylor Hall. Number six, I also have Brad Marchand. Uh, yeah, really did start with the World Cup. But he broke out on the line with Sid. Then he put up that 37-goal year. He was always a good player coming into the league. Like, his first four out of five years, he was a 20-goal scorer, but no one really thought he would break through the way he did. And the last three, four years, like you said, arguably best line in hockey. He, I think he's the driving force on that line, too, much like uh, the winger in Marner with the Leafs. It really pains me to give him so much credit because he is one of the better players in the league. He's just got to come out, uh, cut out some of the antics, though. Because once he starts licking people and stomping on people's sticks and doing all that bullshit. That's when the rating goes down. Yeah, Yeah, and he starts losing sight of all the good things that he's doing on the ice. So, yeah, he's number six for me, but he could 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 also shoot up too. Yeah. uh, The thing with Pasternak that's been a blessing has – I think it's actually boosted Marshawn's confidence. And Marshawn's always been the guy to get 30. But now I think now with looking at how skilled Pasternak is and how – consistent Bergeron is Marchand's looking and saying oh can I potentially be a 45 goal scorer and get 100 points these are questions that we got to ask ourselves and Marchand could easily I think do that he has a skill to do it but talk about skill number five Mitch Marner the Leafs honestly guys in two years he'll probably be top three um, the guy is a freak offensively he put up 94 points with ease this year not a lot of people talked about him same with John Tavares when People look back at the season the Leafs just had. No one's going to talk about um, Tavares's 47 goals, I don't think. It was a very quiet 47 goals. A lot of people talk about 
oh, William Nylander didn't score that much. Oh, uh, Janssen was amazing. He had 20 goals. No one's really going to talk about Mitch Marner and how important this guy's been. Like, he had, what, 60 assists, uh, 94 points. He's been the driving force for them. He was arguably the greatest player, too, in the playoffs other than, other than Austin Matthews. And one thing we could say about Marner we can't say about Matthews is he's not injury prone. And Mitch Marner, arguably the greatest offensive player on this offensively driven leap. So sky's the limit, I think, for Mitch Marner, number five. Yeah, mine is uh, at number five. I'm going to go Mitch Marner. Uh, It's just everything you want. I think he has that it factor you want in a player, skilled, power play, uh, penalty kill. We saw him block some shots, scoring. Does everything for that team, leads the league and or leads the team in scoring the last two years, and he's an RFA right now. I think he will eventually sign. Uh, got a chance to talk to him. He's a good Canadian boy with his charity. Just everything, thumbs up all around. Good Canadian boy. <laughs> uh, similar to Marner, but at number five I have Johnny Gaudreau, who uh, kind of like Panera, and there's nothing you can really hold against him. He was a third round pick. No one really gave a shit about who he was at the time. He tore up college, came into the league flying. He's been in the league five, six years now. Consistent point-per-game player. I think he'll be one of those guys. I don't know if he'll ever lead the league in scoring, but he'll be top 10 every single year. No one's going to give him the love that he really deserves. So Johnny Gaudreau, number five. Yeah, um, again, right there with Pinello. Number four is Johnny Gaudreau. I think offensively, Calgary has never seen a player of Johnny Gaudreau's stature. 5'9", like 155. Very underrated coming into the league. Oh, he's just another short guy. He's not really going to amount to much. And then here he comes. You know, he breaks Jerome McGinley's records. And I think he's he's going to be up there when all is said and done with points for Calgary as a franchise. His contract is an absolute steal. I don't know how they got him at $6 million, Maybe a little bit more than that, like 6.75. But this guy, I say to Pinello all the time, when you want to do a fantasy draft, this guy might be in your first round. He might not be. He'll, he'll be a top three round for sure. But he's always an X factor to lead the league and get the Art Ross trophy. So I'm not going to lie. I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think by the end of his career, he may have a couple Art Ross trophies because the offensive game is just superb. It's outstanding. So I'm going to have Johnny Goudreau at number four. My number four, I, th- I had a draw. Because these two guys, like, I'm just trying to say which one's better at this spot. But then I look at my top ten, and I can't really see myself taking them out. I got Phil Kessel of Arizona at number four, tied with Miko Rantanen at oh. four. So, like, with these two guys, couldn't pick between one or the other because Phil, we saw what he did in Pittsburgh. His point production has just been going up. Back-to-back Stanley Cups. He should have won a Conn Smythe, one of them. Uh, he's an unbelievable scorer still. His contract's really good. Can thank the Leafs for that. Six point eight million for Phil Kessel, and uh, right now they got a new uh, coaching system for him. Young team in Arizona. Then we look at Rantanen. You saw what he did with Nate the Great. So I'm little cross there at number four. There's a draw. Uh, number four, I have Blake Wheeler. Okay. Who uh, coming into the? He was a high draft pick, so he was obviously always highly touted. But I don't think anyone saw the development in his game come at this stage of where he is because he, he kind of bra- broke through at like 29 years old which you don't really see in today's game no uh but yeah since the the 14 15 season he's been a 70 point guy and he put up 90 the last two years he's the best player on the jets in my opinion 
Uh, he's going to continue to get better. He's 33 years old. He's putting up 90 points. Like, I don't know many guys that can really do that. Uh, it's just a matter of if, if he can take them there in the playoffs. Like, his numbers are good in the playoffs, but if he can get them to a Stanley Cup, then I think you're going to look at Wheeler and say this is one of the better players of all time. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy where I look at him, and no one gives this guy, like, the credit. Like, when you look at Blake Wheeler... They think about, oh, like he goes in the corners and he hits and he's a great playmaker. It's like, well, he's not only a great playmaker, he's a great leader. He does everything right. He's a 200-foot player. He plays both ends brilliantly. And again, like you said, the offense runs through Blake Wheeler. That's a, that's a stat and that's definitely something we look at. And not a lot of people, they, they don't look at that. They don't look at his offensive game and 90 points. It's really a shame that Boston had to trade another star, Blake not, Wheeler. Not really. <laughs> not really, though. But uh, my number three may surprise you guys. I have Alex Ovechkin at number three. Um, arguably the great – well, he is the greatest goal scorer of all time, my, my personal opinion. I really don't care who has more goals than him. I think he's the best goal scorer of all time. The game has completely changed, and you're putting up 50 goals in eight seasons. That's just – that's just stupid. So um, what he does and his legacy, all that, you could easily say he is a top five player of all time. Like now that he won a Stanley Cup, I think you have to finally put him in that in that conversation. And like, again, is Ovi going to get 50 goals again next year? We've been saying he's going to slow down the last five years and he just continues to put up 50. He continues to look better, you know, in the gym, losing weight. 15 pounds 20 pounds trying to stick with the speed in the game and we all know that Ovi has the speed the skill the shot everything so not really um any flaws in Ovi's game I have him at number three my number three uh, another surprise maybe Patrick Kane I had at two probably last year but uh with the emergence of some of these guys I have him drop down to three uh, everything he's done in Chicago, the Cubs and the dynasty they built there. He's a smaller guy like Goudreau and Marner. Like these guys model their game after him. And the what he's just able to do, playmaking, scoring. And uh, every, you can't say enough like good things about him. Just Chicago didn't have that much great luck the past couple of years. or rebuilding a little bit. So uh, he's probably on the outside looking in on uh, playoff rounds and Stanley Cups now. But I still have him at top three in the league. Yeah, I got a. I have Kane at three as well. Uh, I think he's the perfect example for guys like Mitch and Goudreau. He's he's the perfect role model. He's the pioneer, basically. Because he'll get a, a close to 100 points every year, and his the team's usually we really just that one off year. The team's always been good since he's been there. He's taken them to a Stanley Cup. He has an MVP. He has all of the everything he's trophies won. you can possibly win. Um, and he doesn't look like he's slowing down. There oh. might have been a hiccup in his career due to injuries, and then. There's questions like, oh, can he get back to speed? And then he comes out with like a 95-point year. So there's really not much you can say about Kane that hasn't really been said. So he'll probably still be in that spot for the next five years. My number two is Nikita Kucherov. Um, Now, I would have had him at number one. But again, like the team that he plays for, the Tampa Bay Lightning – he had 128 points this season. Last year, he had 100 points. Basically, his points have been ascending the last five years. And the fact that he was a second-round pick, looking back at that now, is just laughable. It's hilarious. 
But Nikita Kucherov has basically taken the NHL by storm. He came in. We were thinking last year, is he a top five fantasy player? And he easily made us look like idiots, 128 points. Arguably a better fantasy player than McDavid. You could put him in that level right now. But when I look at what he can do with the team defensively, he's not the greatest winger. But again, wingers aren't really supposed to be the best defensive you know, uh, they shouldn't have a great defensive role. But Nikita Kucherov's offensive game, arguably right now, uh, there's really no one on, on his level. I think he might be the greatest offensive player in the league right now. Just what he was doing last season, p- putting up 19 points in six games. And just the stuff that he was doing was just NHL 19 type stuff and like a video game. So for me, Nikita Kucherov, easily for you guys, is probably number one. But for me, he's number two just based off I want to see him do it again. And if he does it again, he's easily number one next year for me. Got Nikita Kucherov at number two as well. You can score all those points in the regular season, but in the playoffs, you got bounced and won. Four games, got swept by Columbus. So it's good to do all that during the regular season. If you would have like gone to the Stanley Cup final like everybody expected uh, Tampa Bay to do and what they should have done and won the Stanley Cup this year, I would have had him number one by default. But what I saw in the playoffs... It's what you've done recently, and it's stock. Just drop. like with yeah. Vasilevsky. Stock happens with drops. Kucherov. There it two. is. Yeah, I got Kucherov at number two. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's not one. <laughs> Look horrendous now. I, I really don't know. How? how? Yeah. I think that was during in 2011 during the time. Like, oh, he's outrageous. Him. Kucherov will be one or two next year. One of the best in the league. Kind of similar to what I said about Marshawn when his temper really... Um, I've had him two years in fantasy, and he's been an absolute monster. I think he's on Chicago. Is Chicago really going to be this good? Is he really going to put up, like, 95 points? And, um, I like You could battle Kane and Ovi as, like, the group scene. So that they would have a shot. And now we have guys like Goudreau and Marner trailing behind guys like Patrick Kane. My number one, Alex Ovechkin. God. <laughs> like you said, greatest goal scorer of time. I think before his career is over, he will pass Wayne Gretzky's goal scoring. He's just on that level, or he keeps scoring every year, 50. And even that one year, the lock, the year before the lockout, where he slowed down and had that one-off year, had more assists than goals. That was hilarious. And everyone's like, okay, is he uh, is his best over? Is he not going to score anymore? And then that lockout year, he ends up getting more goals than almost games played, and somewhere around that with points. So. Uh, I think he had Cup. I think he had 32 in like 42 that year. He still yeah, had like 85. Yeah, that he was going on for like <laughs> if it was a full year, he'd probably be at like 65 goals. Yeah, just insane. Yeah. Stanley Cup two that he got. Uh, he's a power forward that you want. He throws a body around. He'll drop the mitts like Svechnikov found out, and uh, <laughs> then after that he'll score a hat trick on you. So he's a complete player. He's a scary player. Scary. Uh, Going to be the greatest goal scorer of all time. I got a Ovechkin at one two, and I also considered Kucherov and Kane. So that should really show how deep the wingers are in this league when you're considering three guys to be the best at that position. Uh, yeah, the guy's 33 years old, and he scored 50 again. So it's safe to say <laughs> that Kuch, Kane, and Ovi are the best wingers in the game. We yeah, all have them yeah. in the top three. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. But uh, yeah, the criticism for Ovi for the longest time was can they take them past the first or second round or can they beat the Penguins? And then they did well, it. one time they beat the Penguins, they finally go all the way. So you can't really knock them on that anymore. Multiple 50-goal seasons. I don't Multiple, almost 10. The greatest goal, <laughs> the greatest goal scorer I have ever witnessed. And I'm going to leave it on that. That's yeah. my number one. 
Wow, that was fun. So it was in your honorable mentions. Though. <laughs> all right, so I got a lot of I, lo- I got a lot to say with honorable mentions because there's so many, and you had Phil Kessel at number four. Draw number four. I had him in, in my <laughs> I had him in my honorable mentions. I had. Do you want me to just name all of them? Yeah. Okay. So I had Phil Kessel. I had Tarasenko, Brock Besser, Kyle Connor. I didn't have Patrick Line in my honorable mentions. I had Debrinkit, Landis Cog, Pasternak, Hall, and Jonathan Huberdeau in my honorable mentions. Huberdeau to me is probably the most underrated player in the league. If I like with all of the honorable mentions, it's all Winnipeg, so I didn't want to fill up the top ten with Connor, Line, Wheeler. So Wheeler and Connor, I had as honorable guys. Uh, Jamie Ben, I didn't even have any. And the like, it's crazy to even say this. He's not even in the top fifteen to me or not 20. anymore. And it, two years ago, he would have been like top five, and I don't know what's happened to him. And uh, that's another guy. But Brock Besser, I think, is on that trajectory to come up. Artemi Panarin, I think, now with the Rangers. Next year, this could be a totally different top 10. I think he has the ability to really take over a game. And now with New York, he's going to be the only scoring option. Kapokako is still young, so it's going to be the Panarin show there. We're going to see what he's made of with that big contract. I had uh, Mark Stone just left off my list by a hair. When I was doing my rough draft, and I like listed all the names. I starred like five or six guys who I knew for a fact would be on my list. And I starred Mark Stone and I did not put him on my final list. I was so pissed off. He's but, uh, yeah, he's he's a guy to me. You like, he's so underrated in the league. When you lead in takeaways three of the last four years, and you played for Ottawa, Ottawa. Yeah. You that's go, he's like a plus ten in Ottawa too. When everyone's like a minus twenty. It's <laughs> crazy. I even kind of see him like a right-handed O'Reilly on the wing. Yeah, he's a he's, he's a hockey player. Yeah, he's just amazing. I also had Taylor Hall on here. I didn't put him in because every other year he seems to miss half of it. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to see like three, four straight years where he can put up 90 straight points. Okay, when you look back at his Hart Trophy season, where, did, where would you rank him then? Because he's, he's, he's easily a top five winger. I was gonna if he's going to be on that level. I was going to say like the four to six range for that year. Yeah. But then like this year, he had uh, – he was over a point per game, but he played like 35 games. Yeah, he had, I think, 42 and 37, something like that. He seems to do that every other year. The talent is obviously there. He's one of the fastest guys in the league. Yeah. I just I want to see that consistently because he's still in his 20s, and he is that good. I compare him like Tarasenko. Like, I have them evenly, but the way Tarasenko was through the season, it wasn't as good as the playoffs. So that's why I didn't really put him in there. But he's another guy, too. Him and Hall, if they're... Really healthy and you know who's another guy. Two that. guys we haven't we haven't said at all like at all. Arvidsson and Forsberg oh, are two yeah. young wingers <laughs> and they're them. they're they're running. Yeah. If it was if Arvidsson played a whole year, he arguably could have had forty goals. He had like twenty nine and fifty two or something like that. <laughs> it was a dumb statistic. Fourth liner, but he's got like first line skill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like he his his IQ is not the greatest, but. But say three years ago, like, sky was the limit for him. Yeah. I felt like I saw him like a 90-point guy. I see him as that guy anymore. I see him as like a 40-30 guy, like 70 points, 5-40. But Taylor Hall, to me, I feel like he could be a top-five winger easily. It's just a matter of not being man. Like, when you he's a freak. So uh, it's a shame that they had to trade Taylor Hall from Edmonton. But <laughs> it's like what – Nylander for me right now is on the same level as like a Mike Hoffman. When you look at like 30-ish, he's not 
you got to prove to me that you could get 75 and maybe I'll let you in that. So that's exactly, I'd say he's exactly on the same level as Nylander. Like they're really the same player. If you think just a couple Keller in there for now, because I think at some point he'll skill. break yeah. through. Yeah. His, especially I, now too. That's why I'm kind of, I'm kind of scared with what Phil can do. If Phil could literally bring his scoring touch and Keller could get his confidence up. Man, we could see an 80-point year for Keller because his offense, it reminds us of Patrick Kane. And we've been saying that about a lot of players, Goudreau, Marner, Keller. Patrick Kane's the pioneer. They're selling tickets in Arizona, so that's like something bizarre. <laughs> They're making money, which is crazy. So. My, my biggest question is with the center list, where we're going to have Elias Pettersson. This one's going to take forever. It's going to be yeah, a hard one. So deep. <sighs> like Sagan or Kopitar? Probably Kopitar. See, like two years ago, we had Sagan top 10. We did. You can't say we didn't. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. But we were so high on Sagan. Now it's... I'm at 15. You hate Sagan, <laughs> eh? Spets over Sagan. Nah, okay. nah Sagan's nah. better. For doing a fantasy list, he's up there. Yeah, Sagan. he's up there for fantasy. <laughs> Would you rather have Bergeron or Taves? Oh. I think Bergeron, just the last few years, he's... Uh, I think I'll credit Marchant for that too. They're just they're all improving at the same time, and it's it's a scary sight as a Leaf fan. I think Taves is going to go up the list for me this year. He did have a career high in points. Yeah, that was bizarre. At like thirty, he actually scored points. Like you don't really see that from him. What does he average in his career? Like 60, 55, yeah, 60? 50 to sixty. He's another guy too. He'll get like fifty-five and sixty-five. And so seventy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he's just got to play a full year. Fuck. Yeah, the center, the center list. Are we doing that in two weeks yeah, or next we're week? Time for that one. That's going to be a long two list. weeks. Top twenty instead of a top ten. Do you want to do a top fifty list one day for fantasy <laughs> rankings? Well, that would be take fun. All fucking day. That would take. I'm down. I'm actually down to do that. A top fifty <laughs> fantasy ranking. Holy shit, that'd be cool. Gets cut. Like, what the hell did we sign here for? It this looked like he snorted goes. a line. How excited! How excited <laughs> he, he was! Like, he, like, can't really. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, I don't know what to really say about this matter. I think Lakers fans, they're spoiled. They are. You have Cousins, Davis, LeBron, Kuzma. Kuzma is an underrated player in the league. LeBron said he's going to play po- point guard now. So the starting lineup is probably going to be LeBron, Danny Green, Kuzma, Cousins, and Davis. So that, I don't know what, how fans are complaining. Oh, we wanted Kawhi. Oh, we, we, he talked to Magic Johnson on the phone and, and oh, it was going well. Little do they know Kawhi was planting the seeds, calling, hey, uh, are you going to do that Paul George trade? If you do that George trade, I'll come. Okay. Two minutes later, you did it? All right. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sign. The Lakers were one of the worst teams in the league not even two years ago, and they got LeBron to walk over there, and then they trade for Davis. I just don't see how a Lakers fan can be salty. They literally went from one of the worst teams in the league to now, oh, we may be in the finals next year. This is, this is where I reason with Stephen A., because he got very upset with how the, the Knicks you know, offseason went, and it was – a travesty. It was garbage. It couldn't have gone any worse. They got rid of Porzingis to get to you know have the room to sign Durant. Didn't sign Durant. Apparently they didn't even meet with Durant. I don't know how you don't. They go out and their best, <laughs> their best like I don't know replacement is Julius Randle. 
And I feel bad for Knicks fans, but Lakers fans to come out on Twitter and say, oh, Kawhi's a snake. He didn't sign with us. Oh, this, that. Like, you have LeBron, you have AD, you have Cousins, you have Kuzma, who might be the breakout star next year. I don't really know how you could be salty off that. How can you call him a – it's not like Kawhi said, I will be a Los Angeles Laker yeah. by next season. Like, you can't really call he him a He just said team. Los Angeles. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? When when it came down to, like, the three teams, like the Raps, Clippers, and, and Lakers, no one gave the Clippers a shot. They're like, oh, no, it's not the Clippers. No, it's the Lakers or Raptors. It's not the Clippers. The Clippers are done because they're not even talking. Then literally I see – I wake up. Oh, Paul George, five – five-piece trade to the Clippers. Oh, Kawhi Leonard signs with the Clippers. I'm like, this is brilliant. This is awesome. Screw the Lakers. But it's going to be entertaining. I hope the Clippers face the Lakers on Christmas Day. That would be amazing. That'd be but, insane. But what do you think? Like, okay, now Lakers fans, every time Kawhi Leonard goes to eat somewhere, goes to just shop, I don't know, hardware store, it's going to hear a Lakers fan say, you're overrated, you suck, and... Your whole uh, championship win was a fraud. The Golden State Warriors were injured. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, We arguably saw the greatest postseason run since, like, Michael Jordan. He was averaging, what, 33, like, 94% from the free throw line and, like, 45 – or not 45, like, 42% from three. So, like, Kawhi, it wasn't a fluke. He balled the fuck out. He single-handedly, I went to game seven. I'll say it again. I went to that. He dropped 43 points against Philly. Yes, he he missed a free throw. Butler got the bucket, but then he got the buzzer beater, ended it. He made Giannis cry, Joel Embiid cry. Forget, okay, game one, the Magic beat us. And then after that, Kawhi's like, okay, don't worry. We got it. Four straight. That was it. Didn't we win four straight against the Bucks? Yeah. We were down 2 nothing. another reverse sweep. And then we go in and we face, you know, the Sixers was pretty hard, not going to lie. Sixers was the second round. That was probably the hardest. But, man, like, how can you say that it was a fluke? Just looking at, like, looking back at what Kawhi did. There's obvious, in sports in general, you can nitpick until, like, you can just nitpick anything in sports. It really doesn't matter. But when you look back on it, they're not going to say, oh, the Raptors won because of injuries. You're just going to see the Raptors won. Yeah. No one's going to look back and say, oh, it's because they're missing half their team. So it's kind of childish to say that a championship victory was a fluke, in my opinion. And then after you see what he did, like you mentioned, everyone, he made them cry. Like the monsters, he took all their talent away. Just left them all brokenhearted, going in. And then the finals, it was like Nick Nurse. He could have swept Golden State. And then they gave him one win. And then the, and uh, in Toronto, game six, uh, you just saw what happened there. By accident at the end, you just, you know what? Give Kawhi a little bit of rest, but it allowed Steph Curry to come back. But I'm going to quote one of the great philosophers of our time, Dominic Toretto. You know what he said? Winning's winning. There it is. That is one of the one best Kawhi. That is one of the best quotes I've ever heard. Kawhi goes in now to the Lakers, and he has to see Magic and LeBron. He's wearing a Clipper uniform. They can't change it. I just I, – I still don't understand how people say it's a fluke. What he did – remember game two or game three? It was against the Bucks when it went to overtime. He dropped, I think, like eight of the 12 points in overtime, and he made Giannis foul out, and Giannis only dropped 12 points that game. Yeah, sure. And Kawhi was yeah. guarding him the whole game. So how the hell – okay, the load management, all that in the regular season – I guarantee you if he played a full year, 
he probably would have won MVP in the regular season. Probably. He shut down the regular season MVP in Giannis, and then he shut down Golden State in the finals. I don't care. They still had Clay. They still had Steph. They still had Boogie. So you can't say that they were all injured. They had Igudala dropping threes. So Kawhi, I remember it was game five. We still lost game five. But I remember Eric, he was like, oh, Kawhi's not doing anything this game. Fourth quarter came, he dropped 14 points in the fourth quarter. Game six, dropped 12 points in the fourth quarter. We won the championship that game. I don't really know what else to say. Lakers fans, you could be salty all you want. You still have LeBron, you still have Davis, but now you have an enemy in Kawhi yeah. Leonard. So and Carmelo Anthony's a free agent. You can go sign him. Yeah, so if you're going to be salty, oh, Carmelo Anthony, let's go get him because they need all the star power they need because the NBA, it's just childish. It's a childish league. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Conclude with that. Let's go to the ring now. Talk about Raw. Talk about how good the last hour was because it was fun. Cedric Alexander, I don't know what they're doing with him, but I love it. Is he going to face Drew McIntyre at uh, at SummerSlam? Do you think that's a that's a given? Probably. Might happen. I don't Maybe the pre-show. Who knows? Oh. Uh, third match on the card, seven-hour show. Never know. I think I gave that match. Yeah. Because it, it will get lost in the shuffle. Because it's a very long night, SummerSlam. It's a two-hour, five-hour card. It's basically mania. Yeah. And if you look at it, it'll be like, yeah, it's just another match. So I'd, I'd, I'd build it up. I like what they're doing with those two, but just don't throw it on the card like a week and a half before. Yeah. I don't understand why they had to go this direction with Drew. Picture could have been Brock Lesnar. Took a one week off Raw reunion. Maybe he doesn't like those people. I don't know. Maybe he hates Hogan. Hard guy. Who knows? But comes out. Uh, this is his like night. It's his night. <laughs> How much, okay, before you start, how much of a beauty is Dolph Ziggler to hold his leg down? <laughs> yeah. Lesnar, after he beats him down, this Vince McMahon said, we're not going to have blood on our uh, TV. We've graduated from that crap. What happens with Seth Rollins? He's spitting out blood. So <laughs> that worked out well. Goes in the back. You think it's over. Samoa Joe, Roman, they're all beating each other up. Don't know why. They had a segment later on. Uh, Lesnar all of a sudden comes in, <laughs> breaks Park it. <laughs> and Paul Heyman is there. Uh, poor Seth Rollins, his head bounced off the ground, I think, like a basketball. <laughs> and Brock Lesnar just still beat him up. So uh, we're going to hell laughing this. about this. <laughs> we do hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. I, I, I really hope it, it took the cringeworthiness out of him. Please. Whoa. I think it did. Like, be a little more aggressive now, seeing as you just got your ass kicked. That was one of the better beatdowns, though, we've seen in a while. Yeah, I think it, they finally got the job done. They made Seth Rollins look like the heel, the sympathetic he, uh, baby face. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I bounced my head off from Brock Lesnar. <laughs> But yeah, now uh, if the, you keep laughing, he's gonna find you, Alito. He's gonna run over to my house, fucking kill me. Uh, he bounces his head off Seth Rollins. He's a sympathetic face. Lesnar looks like the dominant bat. Now you got your match. What they do with this? Double turn. I, yeah, I have no idea what they're gonna do. Do the double they, turn. They have to do that, I think. But do you put Paul Heyman with Seth Rollins? I do. Question. I do. I just uh, they should give Rollins a little bit more freedom. Because he's, he's proven before that he can talk. Yeah. But the last little while, it's been hard to watch. <laughs> and it's hard to hear all of the shit that he's been saying. 
and all this stuff on Twitter. And I, like, there's a lot of things you can nit, nitpick about Seth. But, like, for you guys, what's the one thing that's holding him back right now? Why do you think people are turning his on character? Him? Yeah, his character. That's literally, but it's not even his fault. You is it can't like really... Vince in his ear though? Or is yeah. it something that he's doing specifically? Post WrestleMania. I, I feel like I feel like with Becky's momentum before. Vince saw this as like a power couple and like, oh, they're going to they're going to rule the WWE. And instead of having them both be independent, dominant champions, they're fucking clingy and they're always together and they always got to bring up that they're dating. And I think Becky's uh, actually I can't believe I'm saying this. I think Becky's involvement with Seth Rollins has actually made his momentum just flat out die. And I feel like he's just. He's not driven. Like he doesn't look like he's like he's comfortable in the spot he's and he knows he's on top of the card. And he's kinda just kinda going with the flow right now. I don't see him really trying that hard. Seems to be like a baby face trap when you're a champion. She's like, yeah, I got it and I'm I'm here to take on all comers and, and that's it. Nothing else to it. Like we said before, when he had the steel chair and he was doing that, like that was amazing. Like you you're still the champion and you're still running raw and you're still well liked you're not cringy because now he's cringy with the burn it down and all the backstage he's just i think they gotta they gotta kind of relax with seth and becky's involvement with the shows i know they're both like one of the top merchandise sales all that but i think you gotta kind of relax with their appearances because i see seth way too much i think uh, the main thing for me i think he's overexposed yeah, like that, that's when, another uh, word. Yeah, when yeah. Roman was the top guy, like you're, it's like three set, three four segments. Yeah, like you, you don't need that. You just need one lengthy Rollins match, play up to your strengths because he is one of the the better wrestlers out there. So have him put on a clinic in the ring, cut a promo, and that's it. You don't need to have him every two three segments. It's just like the the backstage segments with like Caruso or she Renee Young, Young or, or someone else. Like too much talking. He's never been known to do all these backstage segments by himself and talking and joking around and, oh, burn it. That, like, yeah, it's kind of not interesting anymore. And I, I want to I see a Seth Rollins heel turn. Like, I need to see it happen soon. It's kind of a shame for me because when you look at the story of Rollins, like, this guy's amazing. And this he's a fan favorite and everyone loves Seth Rollins. But the last little while, everyone's turning on him. For reasons that may not even be his fault. <laughs> yeah. But that no, but that happens with everyone though. Like I feel yeah. like the Roman, even Roman Reigns' absence, kind of fucked over uh, Rollins because Vince was like, okay, Roman's out. Dean is Dean at the time was was the heel, so it's like, okay, Seth, you have to be the top guy on Raw, and he went with it. And at first, we all loved it. You know, we loved him winning the Royal Rumble. It was it was a fun time. You know, uh, it was kind of predictable, but. At the same time, we knew that he was going to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. We thought he would have a much better main event run, but God, man, it was under underwhelming. So I'm not surprised that the fans are turning on him, but I've been saying this for about a month now. That double turn, the more and more I see Seth on TV, the more and more I need that to happen because his character development to me is turning into Bailey, where every time I see him, it's just stale and like I, I just don't want – I want nothing to do with them. And I have three Seth Rollins shirts upstairs. So like that's just it's – a, it's, a, it's painful for me to say. Poor Bailey. <laughs> I don't know. He's falling in that trap. She's just so out. stale. Like she turned heel that one Raw and I thought that was going to be amazing. And then they, they had yeah. that backstage segment with uh, 
the doctor there. Yeah, Shelby. Yeah, and I'm like, what? I'm like, what? <laughs> what is this? They could have had like three or four months of good TV with that feud, and they fucking ruined it in one night. And you know what happened? <laughs> like two months later, they fired all the creative. Oh yeah, they did the yeah. Terror. <laughs> So I really don't know what this, what else to say about Seth. I think, uh, like like I said yesterday, we were watching Raw, and when he got injured, or not it, well when. Brock beat the shit out of him. I said, "Oh, good. Maybe." Remember what I said? I was like, "Oh, good. Maybe Lashley could like be inserted." And Collab looks at me. He's like, "Don't ever say that again. Like, That's, get out." I'm like, at, "I'm like, man. Like, it's different. Like, I'd be something we've never seen before. I think it'd be. I think it'd be a hell of a match too. Like, yeah, make it a no DQ. That'd be. I think that'd be pretty good. It's literally why. Like when there were rumors surfacing about Bobby, like always oh, coming back to face Lesnar. Like, and when he signed. Like, the entire universe was in agreement. Like, okay, we're going to see this match. This is why he's here. Because it just made sense. The guy left, and he, he proved that he was uh, really he was so good in, in uh, impact. We thought it's just destiny for these guys to, you know, they're finally going to face each other after all these years. And they find a way to not make it happen. And then he even <laughs> beat Roman clean. And yeah. then you thought, okay, they're finally going to do that. Doesn't happen that way because Roman ends up beating him the next night and takes a spot. I, I just feel with booking with this whole universal title picture, they just put themselves in a corner again. I, th- I thought for sure Lesnar was going to become the, the WWE champion. Yeah. I thought he was going to cash in on maybe Kofi and, you know, run with the WWE title on Fox on Friday nights with SmackDown in October or something. But they went with it now. I guess they wanted, you know, the viewership. They wanted the more publicity in Toronto because Toronto's pretty hectic of a wrestling city. But, yeah, like, uh, the one word that just comes to me with this feud is just underwhelming. I really don't care. Like, if Seth Rollins wins the title, I really don't care about him. Like, if he wins it, I really don't care. Because I know down the line, like, he'll he'll just hold on to it, maybe lose to, like, a Strowman or a Drew or... Yeah, like... (laughs) Do you see him as a transitional champion? I do. I don't see Seth now as, like, a pillar to hold a belt like an aj style like when i when i looked at smackdown last year i'm like yeah aj like the first guy that came to mind was aj styles or daniel bryan as the wwe champion holding on to that belt for at least six months you know you're solidifying yourself as the top guy on a show when seth had the belt he was the top guy i'll say like i was invested in him as the top guy for literally about a month after that aj styles match at i think it was backlash or whatever was it backlash the pay-per-view the pay-per-view after mania i think money in the bank it was money in the bank bank. yeah so when those two after that match i didn't care because he was in a few with baron corbin and i knew the end result i knew seth was going to retain and then they inserted becky into it and it's just it's just cringeworthy man it's like come on like you had the steel chair thing going you're beating the shit out of guys weekly just keep running with that. You don't need to keep talking to the WWE Universe saying, let's burn it down together and we'll slay the beast whenever that time comes. And just cringeworthy. So. You, uh, you mentioned Baron Corbin. Was he on Raw? No. I think this was the first time in I don't Two know weeks. how long. Two weeks in a row he wasn't on Raw. Because I'm like, I know something's missing. Their favorite son wasn't in the arena. There's not something I'm complaining it. about. Lacey <laughs> Evans, I don't think, was. No. No, her too. They're giving Natalia some love, who uh, 
who pulled a good segment out of her ass. It I'll was, that. yeah, it was, it was kind of refreshing to see them give Natalia the time because over the years we just have seen with experience they don't give them the time. So Natalia, you know, getting some words in, getting that figure, uh, you know, the figure. Oh God, the sharpshooter on uh, on Becky. I think they're trying to build Natalia up as a credible like competitor, but I just don't see Becky losing. Even though Becky's momentum has just gone down completely, I don't know what's happened with her. I know that they don't have her in a consistent, you know, program. They kind of haven't, which is a big fuck up because she was one of the hottest in the company. And to be honest, she's the cover athlete of 2K20. I would expect her right now to be ruling the WWE universe, you know, consistently putting on good programs. Don't be stale on TV. Don't be boring because that's that's what she is right now. So I really don't know what where it went wrong with Becky and Seth, to be honest, other than the character development. I really don't understand why they had to put them in this role. The second they, they didn't need it. To, they they both yeah. didn't need it, though. The second Vince decided to put his hands together and say, oh, you guys are dating? Okay, let's – every other segment, <laughs> we're going to tell people. We're going to get our social media team hard up. <laughs> like, is it – like, I'm looking at this now. Is this really different from Roman versus Brock? Like, is it really it's different? Same, yeah. It's not different at all to me. It's literally the same thing. First and I don't know – And I, yeah, and I don't know if that's because of Brock – or if it's just because of how everything's panned out with the universal title since its existence in the WWE. I have no idea, but I thought Kevin Owens as champion was amazing ever since he lost it. The belt to me has just been an afterthought and no one really cares. Yeah, it's Brock Lesnar, but at the end of the day, he's going to retain and he's going to get that payday and that's literally it. Just a challenger, Sue. Like, look at Kofi's reign right now. Compared to Seth, they both won at WrestleMania. Kofi's facing a who's who on SmackDown, all these matches, different opponents. Seth Rollins has been Baron Corbin. So, like, there hasn't really been too much change, and we all probably thought that Kofi was going to be the transitional champ. Seth ended up being that transitional champ. And now Kofi, uh, he's having a similar opponent like Randy Orton, but look what they did to that whole buildup. Ten years, like, they bring up Ross from 2009. So I think they've done a better job with Kofi as WWE champ. Easily. Easily. And I'll say that even with the programs they put in with Kofi, it's last second, but they made it work every single time. And it was fresh. Like Samoa Joe Kofi, that's fresh. You don't really see that. I maybe thought Samoa Joe was going to win it. Again, unpredictability. That's something that the WWE Championship has had over the Universal title since its existence. Predictability in every match for the Universal title. When was the last time you saw a Universal title match and said, oh, I don't I don't know who's going to win? It was probably the SummerSlam match, 2017. Or was that for the WWE title? That was Universal. Yeah, Universal. Yeah, see, so that was probably the last time you're looking at it. It's like, oh, that's unpredictable. I have no idea who's winning. Every single – since then, every – oh, okay, Lesnar's retaining. Oh, Seth's retaining. Oh, Roman's retaining. Like, it's just – it's predictable, and it's got to stop. It's basically it for me. That's all I got to say with that. <laughs> But no, like looking back now, looking at Kofi Kingston and looking at what he's done, you got to just give this guy praise. You can't really complain. A lot of people are complaining, like collab. I'll, I'll, I'll point him out again because he's looking at both of these matches and he doesn't give a shit with both of them, with the Universal and the WWE. You can't really say that with the WWE title. Like, you can – they're not star, star guys. I mean, Orton is, but not anymore. Like, he's not the guy that will 
you know, boost ticket price. Like he won't like make someone say, at least not me, maybe you, but for me, if I see Randy Orton, I'm not going to run no, there yeah. and be like, Oh yeah. Oh, Randy yeah. Orton. Like, no, I'm not, not anymore. So, but Kofi Kingston and Randy, they have that story where it's literally, it could be for a top belt where Orton tried to screw him over 10 years ago. And now Kofi is actually as sick. He, what's he on a five month reign as champion and Orton is trying to get it now. So it's very, it's, I, I'm, I'm invested in it. And, uh, you could say what you want about Kofi, but he's been a very entertaining champion. And the thing that I appreciate with him is he's been consistent. That's the thing I appreciate with Kofi. Better watch out for Randy because when he wants to. Yeah. Because <laughs> we saw with the Styles feud at Mania, the promos that I think just the one on SmackDown, but like that was amazing. <laughs> when you mentioned Dixie Carter and Orlando. I forgot. Did AJ win that match? Yeah. Yeah, right? Was it the phenomenal forearm? It was. We thought he was going to hit him with the RKO. Like, that's how it's going to end. But no. Didn't he go for that and he faked him? I think he did. That's why AJ's the best in the world, man. Well. <laughs> <laughs> the one match, though, I'm looking forward to is Ricochet and AJ for the U.S. title. That's confirmed. That's Another happening. thing, though. You know how the OC is coming out when AJ said, uh, we're not, like, the club, we're not this club, original club, we're the only club that matters. That Bullet Club in Japan always has like a few more members, not just three. So I think Samoa Joe joins forces with the OC and they form like a little TNA wrestling uh, <laughs> formation. Bring, bring Bobby Roode into that. You know what's hilarious? Samoa Joe and AJ Styles were feuding for the WWE title with his wife <laughs> like on the line like yeah. a year ago. And now they're going to align. I love wrestling. It's so funny. <laughs> I actually thought he was wearing the shirt too last night because I saw like the red on my way. Yeah, I thought so too. I'm like, no, it says Joe. I'm yeah. like, okay. All I can right. see a little TNA in there. Besides Carl Anderson wasn't there, but it's all good. <laughs> Before we end it today, I just want to talk about, do you, do you see a lot of part-timers at this event? Summer because summer. I've every time I go online, I just see another nostalgia act scratching and clawing to make the show. And I'm hearing rumors like Goldberg or Shawn Michaels are going to face Dolph Ziggler at the event. Well, Dolph, for uh, three weeks in a row now, has mentioned Goldberg. So that kind of worries me a little bit. Me too. But I think they can actually have a good match of Dolph Ziggler selling for Goldberg. And he doesn't hit his head and be I think it's a, I think it's a squash. I think it's a squash match. <laughs> yeah. If that happens. Or, Come on, man. Yeah, I it's can Ziggler. See. Super kick. No Ziggler versus The Miz with Shawn Michaels as a referee. Goldberg comes out after the match, spears him. He does like five backflips, and uh, they all go home at Ziggler's expense. Unfortunately. I, I love Ziggler's involvement in WWE TV, but if you're going to come in here and you're going to get squashed by Kevin Owens and then you're going to get squashed by Goldberg – What's the point, really? Like, just go to AEW. Just go somewhere else, man, where you'll actually be appreciated because you're not appreciated here. I don't care if you're in a if you're in a sub-main event match against Goldberg and it's 20 seconds. Ask Brock Lesnar how that was at Survivor Series. How do you think he fucking felt? Probably hated his life, that whole program. How did we feel? How did we? Yeah, <laughs> we're there. We're like, oh, 20. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's funny. Literally, the best part was Goldberg's entrance because everyone was chanting his name, and I'm just there. I'm like, that was fun to witness stuff. Yeah, but fireworks and him twitching like crazy. <laughs> I never saw Brock uh, getting squashed though, so that was 
That was a sight. <laughs> Once in a lifetime. Remember Heyman's face? <laughs> oh my god, Brock! <laughs> the fucking jackhammer, and that was it. I was like... Thank you all for coming out. Boo! Oh, man. Oh, that was rough. <laughs> yeah, I just hope that doesn't happen. I could see it happening. Yeah. Ziggler just comes out, spear! And that's it. It's over. Oh. Trish Stratus is going to wrestle at SummerSlam. Yep. Against Charlotte. She's going to make Trish tap out in the middle of the ring. And Bailey she must said. hate her life. Because she's a champ, and you would think, oh, maybe the champ is facing the part-time uh, gal coming in, get that big money. You're facing Ember Moon. <laughs> Probably on the first opening match of the night. This is why you don't have 50 fucking titles. Don't yeah. sleep on Ember Moon. I think she might win this match. Yeah, but everyone's going to be talking about Stratus I know, I know, I know. They are. So, Ember Moon is probably hating her life, too. She went in with Sonya <laughs> Deville. she heal now? I think they're trying to, like, teach something, but I don't think so. Yeah, because she attacked Bailey, and that was kind of hot. It's like, it's like oh, a yeah. Seth and AJ thing. Yeah. Like something may eventually get, but they're both still faced. Bailey needs a turn. This yeah, getting, like yeah, this is getting bad now. Just turn the, heel. The Bailey buddies all the time. Oh, just go to the ring. The hugging yeah, section. Like, fuck off. Don't need that shit anymore. Out, they all fly up and then she just like stabs them and, <laughs> and they all just <laughs> deflating on the stage. Like the oh, one no. thing that I never thought would work was Sami Zayn. Like yeah. his heel turn, like the same theme, but he's just a goofy douchebag. Mm. And I love that. Sami Zayn has not won a match since he's returned. Has he actually? Do you know how long he's been back for? A long time. <laughs> you know what it is? It's the buzzed head. That's exactly it. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. He's definitely. I guarantee you he's getting punished for that. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> people have gotten punished for their appearance, uh, a.k.a. Rusev. Where is he? Uh, you get a new tattoo. He, he can't do that. You got to take it up with us first. Do you remember <laughs> what happened when Rusev cut his hair? Uh, he became uh, a jobber. <laughs> uh, Vince likes Vince looked. Locks. He's like... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I remember this day. I think that's what happened with Sammy. Sammy's like backstage. Vince looks at him. Well, you buzzed your head? Okay. Yeah, but Sammy's also starting to lose his hair a little bit. Yeah, he is. Baron Corbin had to shave that. Oh, my God. That, thank that, God. That was, it was yeah. the right move. That was the right move. I can't believe it. I never thought he – I thought he was going to look awful with a buzzed head or shaved head. And no. Uh, now he actually looks him. like a heel. Actually, like – he Help gets the girls. Yeah. That's why he's the top heel. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Vince. This is in 2000. Oh, it's the only reason. Nothing else was said. You're coming off a PG era, and that's the reason you're going to make someone a top heel. Because he gets girls. Has the appearance to get girls. What? You're out of, time. out of touch. Out of touch, man. Out of touch. There's also some uh, indie events on Friday before SummerSlam. Showing some love. Destiny's got one. Uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan at the Maple Leaf Gardens, Madam Lee Center, downtown. A lot of guys going to come in, so WWE better step up that game because there's uh, a lot of competition in town that weekend. would love to know how their contracts work because the NXT UK guys, they travel to these events. Like some of those guys are on the Destiny pay-per-view. Yeah, you said Walter, I think's on it. Yeah, I think Mustache Mountain's there. Yeah. But like no one else is can really do anything other than WWE. So it's pretty cool how that works. Okay, before we go quick, NXT TakeOver. Which match do you think is going to just flat out amaze you? I'll say the triple threat for the North American title. Oh, yeah. With, uh, Velveteen, Pete Dunne, and Roderick. Who do you want to see win that? Probably Roderick. The guy's a grinder and has been for so long. He's almost 40. He's faced pretty much everyone in the game, I think. 
Yeah, he's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's faced a lot of guys. He's been around for so long. He's been in every fucking company possible. The guy's amazing. He just keeps getting better with age. Love him. Would love to see him win. Oh, that match too. And I want to see Velveteen Dream lose and then make his debut Monday night Toronto. That's something. I want you know to who see. I want to see uh, win the win that title? I want to see Pete Dunne win it. Because I feel like he's just scratching the surface, and this is going to just be another title to his resume, and he will be a future world champion easily. But uh, that's it for this week. Next week we'll talk about SummerSlam, and we'll talk about our, uh, I don't know, whatever else is going on, because our top t- our top 20 centers is in two weeks, and that's going to be exciting. You know what we should do? We should do a top 10. Oh, this is going to be tough. <laughs> a top 10 under 21. <laughs> Oh, under twenty one. Under twenty one. Jeez, I'm down. Because if it was under twenty five, that's tough as shit. That's like the whole league. Yeah, it really is. But like under twenty one, I feel like would be not that hard. Jack Hughes would. Jack Hughes would be up there on that list. Capo Caco. I don't want to say any names because I will contradict myself. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's it for this week, guys. Make sure to listen on all our socials, and uh, that's it for this week. Stay tuned for episode forty.